so excited to start a podcast get like really rich and famous off said podcast and then see another opportunity that could potentially make me even more rich and even more famous but not entirely know if that'll pan out but i'm gonna take my chances with it anyway and drop the podcast that's already making me rich and famous and then we'll see what happens from there but of course i am not alone i am joined by my co-host for which i just admitted that i'm going to be ditching soon matt how are you no, it's a good idea. Uh, we should probably just, I mean, I was going to say we should only do it for like three weeks. And then, you know, uh, after three weeks of a successful show, that's when we should make the decision to jump ship and do something else. But we've long passed three weeks. We've long passed three months of this. So uh, I think we're a little late to uh, the appropriate time frame of all of this. But I think we can get there eventually. I feel like there's bigger and better things for us. We'll turn this into um, a TV show to a movie. I don't know. I think uh, I think you're onto something. Totally, totally onto something. Like I'm thinking maybe audiobooks could be the next Audible. You know, mm. media something like that. You, maybe Glee season you know, eight I, when we tell the season through an audiobook rather than the episodes that are happening on TV. That's going to be what totally. we do next. Totally. We'll even include some of the scripts that we've already written. You know, I yes. think, you know, there's just a bunch of ventures that we could move on to now that we've had our fill of the choir room. All right. Well, bye, everybody. Thank you for listening. We've uh, appreciated the support over the past five seasons. It's been great, but um, <laughs> I'm sick. <laughs> I can't do this today. <laughs> I can't go out. I'm sick. <laughs> uh, coughing into a microphone during these times is probably not what people want to hear. Um, so <laughs> my bad. <laughs> anyway, we are here to talk about season five, episode 18, The Backup Plan. In case you didn't know what this episode was about, you kind of just got a little spoiler through that very long intro but <laughs> i'm sick um can i calm your nerves about something that we talked about in the last episode um that i guess i found an answer to that we didn't really know about um we were worried about the time frame of will schuster and emma schuster um did she take his last name maybe i think so emma schuster hmm it feels weird to not say Emma Pillsbury. Um, they had their baby, and we were like, what? Nine months? Huh? That doesn't make any sense. Um, so according to the Glee Wiki, it is currently in this episode, May 2014. So it is three weeks after the opening of Funny Girl, which means that the opening of Funny Girl was in April of 2014. So I think that makes the time frame make more sense. I don't know why we thought it was the fall. Because they made it seem like the fall. They were like, the yeah. first episode in New York was them being... I thought so, too. I thought so, too. And then I thought back to it it even more a little harder. I was like, you know what? The Christmas episode, while not a Christmas episode, I think was still supposed to be like in the Glee universe. No, 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 that's not even true, because then we get to graduation, which is like soon after. I don't know. It was weird. um, Very strange. But point is, apparently we are now in May of 2014. Uh, Funny Girl opened in April of 2014. So April is the fourth month. So. 
uh, minus four, minus five. That means that they, yeah, something something lines up. I still don't know if it pans out because if they got pregnant in May or June, then that means that they June. should be due in February. Right. It might have been the the very end of June, which could could put them maybe into March. <laughs> so yeah, maybe we're still not a hundred percent there, but we're a lot closer than we were. They didn't expect for the fans to you know, dig so deep into it and they thought they could get away with it. Are we digging? I mean, they could have just made them, like, why did it have to be opening night? Like, I understand, like, the 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 urgency of it all, but you could have just had him have the baby at any time when they were in New York, you know? Like, why did it have to be the opening night? Why, why couldn't he stay there for the whole, whatever? Or just make opening nights sooner? I don't know. Just I don't strange, know. but... Well, uh, well, I don't know if that made us any more uh, satisfied with the answer, but... Like I said, I think we got a little closer. <laughs> oh, I like nitty gritty details like that. Like I like, you know, digging into the plausibility of scenarios on Glee and stuff like that. It makes me, it makes it, <laughs> it just, it's fun. It's fun. Yes. I'm a big world building person when it comes to storytelling. So any, like all those little itty bitty details, that's the shit that I live for. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we said, it's been three weeks, three weeks and Rachel is on Cloud Nine, after the success of her Broadway debut, she's saying, three weeks since the opening, and I am the toast of the town. Signatures at the stage door, across the board raves, and I don't want to jinx it, but there's even rumors of a Tony nomination. Uh, look, that homeless guy is sleeping on my face. New York really is where dreams come true, and now he'll wake up to find one of his dreams came true. And she's going to go ahead and sign uh, the newspaper that this homeless man is sleeping or sleeping with on the bench of her face. Uh, and this is just the beginning. That's what my team told me when I ta- when I signed with the top five talent agent agency, ICA. And she's going to meet up at ICA, which stands for Innovative Creative Artists. And her uh, her agents in the uh, office walking on the treadmill, and she's like, you know, he's like, you know what, this is great. I thought I was supposed to be uh, speaking with Rachel Berry, not Fanny Bryce. How are you? This is great. You're going to be a big, big star. First things first, Rachel, what is it that you want? We are here to help you. What sort of aspirations do you have for your career? And Rachel says, well, I don't know. Maybe I could parlay all of this Broadway fame into maybe a TV show or maybe even a few uh, feature films. And the agent is going to stop her right in her tracks and be like, look, you know, Rachel, have you ever heard of the phrase, you've got a face for radio? Uh, TV, movies, they're just not for you. Because Broadway is one thing. You're on stage. There's some distance between you and the audience. With film and television, there's no escape. You're right there. And especially if you're on, t- if you're on film, your nose is going to be like 12 feet tall. You just it's, just it's just not a good look for you, Rachel. You really should be focusing more on maybe sticking with the Broadway thing. Like, hell, we could even have you playing Fanny Bryce for 5, 10, 15 years. To which Rachel's going to be like, um, no. But there's no there's no wiggle room with this guy. He's insistent on telling Rachel that she's got to stick with Broadway. She's got to stick with the same show. She just does not have the face for television or, uh, or for film. Basically that she's ugly. And a little bit of that, yeah. Um, so I don't think I can get too far into this episode without revealing how much I am, uh, really not high on this episode at all. This episode has a lot of things that I'm just like, hmm, filler, hmm, bad way to go with the direction of this storyline. And I guess I'll just dive in with this, with here. Uh, this is, 
we like all we've ever known about Rachel is how badly she wants to be on Broadway and how badly this is her dream and how she wants to achieve this. And she's been working her whole life to get here. And now three weeks in, she's bored and she kind of wants to change direction. Uh, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of people out there, uh, maybe even people on this call, maybe even uh, just anybody that you know, you, your friends, your family that have gone on to be in the field that they wanted to be in and they get there and they're like, you know what? This isn't for me. I just don't know that I believe it for Rachel. I mean, this is literally her life's work and she's here for three weeks and she's done. Yeah, it's very strange. If she had been there for a year, a year and a half, sure, sure. But to be ready to give it all up for something else. And, you know, you know, in the beginning, I didn't really take that much of a, of a gripe with it because it's all speculation as, as, like, as of right now, you know? It's not like the agent, well, the agent told her flat out no. But even if the agent had been more agreeable to her parlaying her Broadway career into something like into television or TV or or film, it wouldn't be immediate. They would have to start workshopping things like she'd have to she'd have to start going on auditions in New York and in L.A. So it would take some time for her to actually land anything. And who knows how long that would take. Um, So she could very well remain on Broadway for another year and then land some sort of other gig somewhere else and then move on but for it to be like so immediate in three weeks she's already trying to like move on it's like okay that's a little crazy that's a little crazy it's okay to get an agent it's okay to branch out because nobody wants to be stuck doing the same thing for a long time especially nowadays like people don't really last long on broadway especially if you're young like you're on broadway for like a good year or year and a half and then you move on to the next thing unless you Mm -hmm. just love exactly what you're doing and you kind of stay some people do and and I can I can appreciate that you know the aspect of Rachel's character that is so reaching for the stars like it feels Sharpay Evans uh, I want it all I want it I want it all I want the TV the movies the film imagine having everything you've ever dreamed don't you want it Maybe. of course can't you see it kind, kind of. of imagine first audition after college I get the lead what about me well of course you gotta believe it oh my god. <laughs> I forgot you about that song and it came out of my mouth. And what's his name? Sound exciting, inviting. Let's, Let's do, do it, it then. then. <laughs> Be a movie star. Don't you see that bigger is better? Better and is better bigger. is bigger. And little, little bit, bit is never enough. enough. No, no, no. I want it all. Want it. Want it. Want it. Okay, yeah, that, that was tough to break out of. Um, I can appreciate the Rachel being that Sharpay kind of person um, that wants it all, that she wants everything that she's ever dreamed of. And maybe she's had dreams to be, you know, just the star rather than just the Broadway star. I mean, that kind of lines up. I, I can see that. But again, they've put so much focus on how many Broadway songs has she covered in her career. Her and Kurt, the basis of their friendship is their love for Broadway and how much they 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 want to be there someday. They get season two, they go to New York for nationals and they sneak off to the theater to put themselves put themselves on stage and envision themselves there. And now here we are. Rachel finally achieved it. Opening night has come. She achieved her dream. Um, I'll give her a little bit of a pass because obviously she's working with a crazy director. Like, this guy is just insane. Uh, he is, you know, refusing to be... I'm, well, I, and I don't know. Maybe this is how the business works. I really don't know. Uh, he refusing to, like, give mm. at all with her and be like, 
Oh yeah, you're doing yeah. eight shows a week. Like, why don't you take one off and get you know get some sleep? Obviously, nobody should reasonably be expected to do eight shows a week. That's probably, I, I I would say that. Uh, but yeah, so the director's not making it any better, and I get that she's tired, but I don't know that the, that like I said, the career change really makes a whole lot of sense to me. So as this episode goes on and we get into how she handles the way she's feeling, I'm just like, wow, I don't know what I feel about this. Uh, I don't think it's good. Yeah, you gotta, I mean, you, you have to, you have to, like, earn your stripes, Rachel, and this is such a huge accomplishment, and you were so ready to fight tooth and nail for it that, and like I said, like, this scene to me wasn't that, wasn't that, like, uh, offensive, because it's just talking about next steps in the future. It's not like anything is immediate now, but eventually we're gonna get to a point where it's like, okay, well, what the hell are you doing? You want it all, you want it, you know that you want it. I love that song the so much i think it's my fortune. favorite song from husky musical 3 i love the breakdown part mm-hmm. uh, so high school musical 3 good. super underrated with uh some of the music in there uh can i have this dance is one of my favorites of the series maybe it will be a high school musical is that the prom one is that the prom song it is troy and gabriella dancing on the roof uh by themselves oh, never prom mind. is something else um, you're thinking of, uh, well, oh no, why is it leaving my brain? Um, it was like something where the guys and the girls were singing separately. A night to remember. Okay, that sounds yeah, that sounds yeah. right. They pick up the I girls from their homes, tears. and I dragged one of my friends to see it with me, and he was like, "Oh my god, really, Amon?" I was like, "Come on, like this is the end of our childhood." <laughs> Meanwhile, we were in eighth grade. <laughs> yes, uh, my my birthday in 2018 remains in my top five birthdays of all time because High School Musical 2 was released on that birthday, and uh, it was the best gift I could have ever had. Wait, had High School poster. Musical 2 was released mm-hmm. on in 2018? I'm confused. No, 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 eight 2008. I don't know if I said 18. Oh, you said 2018. I was like, what? If I said 18, I meant eight. They just released that shit on like, uh, like no, Blu-ray no, or some no, shit. No, like, no. What the fuck 2008, August 17th, 2008 was the uh, at home, of course, release. Dedicated fan to have musical. waited 10 fucking years. God, <laughs> I would have given up. I'd have been like, fuck you, Disney. I had the poster in my room with my birthday on it. And like, it was just like the event of the summer. I could not summer, summer, summer. I couldn't wait. Yeah, I remember they had like a whole when during the premiere they had like I don't even know what you would call it, but they had like a panel mm-hmm. of of the of the stars of the movie that were like lead you in and out of the uh, episode uh, in and out of the sh- of the movie during yeah. the commercial breaks and everything. It was like a whole event. The 2008 version of like live tweeting and checking in with the audience. Like obviously they right. would have just done that on the internet if that was today. Right. Got to right. admit, I would be much happier talking about High School Musical for the next hour than I would be the rest of this episode. <laughs> I mean, well, I like I said, I feel like this podcast is going to venture out into things of the like. So if we want to spend uh, a whole part of the podcast on Husky Musical, we can. So okay, it's well, not out of there on a possibility. Sorry, Kurt. I've I haven't seen him in so long, so it would be nice to do a little refresher. <laughs> but anyway, elsewhere, Kurt and Blaine are uh, walking around uh, campus. Kurt is going to subtly tell Blaine that June Dalloway is coming. Blaine's like, who? He's like, June Dalloway. He's like, who? <laughs> Kurt's like, uh, she's like a, 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 a like this amazing socialite. Like, almost all of the artistic endeavors that happen in Manhattan, like, go through her. Like, she, she has a bunch of money. She's loaded. She's rich. Like, she has a lot of influence, and she's having a showcase at Niada, um for some of the students. She's scouting, like, new talent, and I'm going to go perform for her. 
Um, and Blaine's like, well, that's that's amazing. Like, that's that's really fantastic, Kurt. And he's like, well, I want you to perform with me, too. Like, I want us to do this together. And Blaine's like, well, wow, that, that's really kind of you. Like, well, yeah, let's let's do it. That means that we can get a shit ton of exposure from this if they like if she likes us. So uh, Kurt and Blaine are going to go ahead and rehearse for June Dalloway, who seems to be this very, very important figure who we never met before. Yeah. You know, and you know, when they set us up for like they, they tell you what songs they're going to do before they actually do them so that if you're watching the episode and you're not sure if you're going to stick around, they uh, they get you with with the song. And that's why they say here that they're doing Story of My Life by One Direction. I'm like, okay, that honestly would have hooked a lot of people. So it uh, makes it's a smart choice that they included that. Whether or not it was a smart choice that they did the song itself, we can get to that. Yeah, for June Dalloway. I mean, we, we don't know who she is, but Kurt knows who she is. And I just feel like that's the... Re- well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> Mercedes comes home early, uh, and Santana asks what's going on. Mercedes says that she, you know, she got sent home because the producer says that there's still no single for the album, and if they can't come up with a single, they're going to have to push back the release date for the whole project. Um, Santana's like, oh, come on, Mercedes, really? Like, are you going to listen to them? Like, you're amazing. Like, there's got to be a single somewhere in that album that, that, that hasn't presented itself yet. Like, come on. Pretty much encouraging her um, to keep trying. Uh, which is going to inspire Mercedes. She's going to get an idea. She's going to be like, you know what, Santana? I could actually use your help. Like, why don't you come to the studio with me and we can try and do something together? We've always been really, really good together when we performed and sang for the New Directions. Like, you remember Trouble Tones? Like, that was the bomb.com. Mm-hmm. Like, let's see if we can mine some of that and come up with something really, really great. Um, and Santana's going to be down for it. Yeah, those two were magic. Uh, hard to uh, argue with the logic Mercedes is presenting there. Those two always were the uh, the stars, and uh, I don't think many of us would disagree. So definitely a good idea. And you, yeah, you see Santana here. She's wearing her Spotlight Diner outfit like she was just either going to or coming back from work. So Santana seems to be back home in the swing of things after she just got back to New York for Rachel's opening night. So so she you know. has moved in with Mercedes then, mm-hmm. I guess? That's what, that's what it looks like. It looks like she is... Living with Mercedes and Sam and Blaine, I don't think that's what Santana really is looking for in her life, but uh, seems to be where she's landed herself. I thought there was only two bedrooms, though. Well, Sam has now made his way to uh, to Mercedes's bedroom. Oh, that's right. I don't know where Blaine so is. is. I guess Blaine is Blaine and Santana sharing not a room. sharing a bed. One of them are on the couch, and Santana probably doesn't mind the couch. She was she had no bed when she was at the uh, the loft. Right. She, she told Rachel to leave the mattress. So she's fine without a bed, I guess. Um, and I feel like that, like th- what we're talking about, kind of fits in with the theme of this episode where she's kind of feeling like a little bit off of a path. So the fact that she's just maybe couch surfing for now, I feel like that makes sense with uh, how she's how she's doing so far. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I just don't like the fact that she doesn't have a bed. I, I mean, how big are the bedrooms? Maybe they're I mean, it's a brownstone. So maybe the bedrooms are a little spacious and so they can fit two beds in one room. Maybe. I don't know. I just don't want Santana to be on the couch. Do you have, like, are they setting, like, unrealistic expectations for New York City apartments for somebody who wants to come live there? Um, well, I, it it is pretty big. I mean, brownstones are nice, but it that one does look a little big for what they should be able to afford. I mean, I don't know how oh, much yeah. money, I don't know how much money the label is giving San, or, uh, Mercedes, because maybe Mercedes got it like that. Maybe she's paying more than the rest of them are. Maybe with the combined income of all of them, they're able to make it work. I don't know. Well, well 
Sam doesn't really make that much money, and neither does Blaine because he's in school. So I really don't know how the fuck. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe how, how the kids pay for their stuff is always going to be a mystery to us. We will never know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Like if it were a shoebox apartment, then I would understand. But that's that living room is pretty big for right, New York City. Right, so. Right. Today. Back at the theater, Rachel is going to give us a performance of Wake Me Up. It's like a slowed down, not quite acoustic version, but not EDM version mm-hmm. of this. Not the Avicii version, essentially. Um, right. Rest in peace, Avicii. Uh, while she begins to feel the hum and drum of eight shows a week, we're going to see her walking out of the, out of the dressing room, onto the stage, makeup, hair, everything. She's just getting over it. Um, at the end of the performance, the stage manager, I think, it, what's his name? Barclay. Barclay. is going to come in and tell her she did a really good job. We've got this amount of shows down, this amount of shows to go. If we're lucky, keep it up. Someone else is going to knock on the door as soon as he leaves. Rachel obviously is like, oh, annoyed. She's like, can I just get five minutes to myself, please? But then she realizes that she doesn't know this person. Uh, this guy comes in. He introduces himself as Lee Paulblatt. He loved the performance. She was absolutely radiant. Uh, tonight Rachel thanks him but she's like I don't know who you are so he's like I'm Lee Poblat I'm from Fox the television network <gasps> oh oh my god uh, hi he's like yeah yeah hi this guy's an asshole I don't know like why I don't know how he gets anything done he's a complete dickwad um, but- I just love how how annoyed he was that Rachel didn't immediately know who he was he was like why I'm fuck? that's like me knowing who the executive producer of fucking family got well that's Seth Carlin. <laughs> but you know somebody else like I don't know yeah he was like 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 trying to give her a little bit by a little bit to like get her to be like oh of course I know who you are but eventually she was just like oh awesome to meet you and we're, like it, it's no wonder nobody knows who's his, who's his ass is considering the projects that he's involved with like I'm sure this like, everything is the guy touches has to fail anyway um he comes in uh he wants Rachel to come in and test for a part that he's workshopping um, called uh, for this uh, new TV show called The Song of Solomon. They've already cast a Solomon, and they want her to come in and do a cold reading with him um, because he saw the show. He thinks that she'd be lovely for the part, um, but the only thing is that she'd have to come in next Tuesday for the reading. Um, but Rachel's like, oh, well, I, I have a show on Tuesday, so I don't know about that. He's like, actually, your understudy has a show on Tuesday. Okay, so I'll see you then. I'm going to leave before you can even say no. That's kind of how I roll, and peace out. Mm-hmm. Um, I have three things here, actually. So one, find a better duo than Rachel and uh, a conflict in scheduling. Scheduling conflicts is what I was looking for there. Uh, first time, you know, <laughs> she was trying to do her Niata thing, and then she had to do a callback or this or that. She's always got scheduling conflicts. She's she's a little too busy. Uh, number two is tell me this guy does not remind you of Louis from the sequester community. <laughs> I can hear it in the voice, yeah. It's the, the voice that he, he kind of not like looks like him. I don't know. I felt a little, I, I wrote his name down as Louie in my notes every time because that's all I saw. And three, uh, I just got to praise that performance that Rachel did of wake me up. It's uh, it's one that I have remembered and stuck kind of stuck with me over the years uh, while she's doing that whole thing. And yeah, you're talking, you know, she, she does seem like she's just really over the routine and the song is literally like wake me up when it's all over. Uh, she wants to like not be doing this anymore, which again is crazy to me given how, 
her trajectory has gone of like, you know, she, whatever, just, I, I don't have to repeat myself, but I uh, still can't believe that this is uh, the way that she's going, but um, it's, it's still a really good number. And I, don't know exactly how I feel about what they do with like the multiple Rachels walking through that hallway when they have like her singing the song and there's what, like 50 Rachels that rotate through there. I'm like, okay, cute Mm -hmm. effect, I guess. Uh, I get it. Uh, Okay. Um, But I just thought that the uh, slowed down version of that song was really good and she nailed it uh, just like she has with a couple of other songs in that vein in uh, some earlier seasons. So I appreciated that. And yeah, so uh, time to make some decisions. Uh, what do you want to do? Do you want to go to New York or do you want to, yeah. do you want to stay in New York? Do you want to go to LA? What do you want to do? Yeah. I mean, like we said before, I feel like this, this humdrum is just, is not owned. It's not earned yet. Like you, you just got here. And I, I don't doubt that you're going to get tired if you're doing eight shows a week. Like that is a lot. I mean, it's not like, but you're not in school anymore. This is literally all that you do. So you have all day to yourself you just have to be at the theater by your call time which is probably six and then you perform when the show is done by like 10 so you have like the whole like you have the rest of the day to do whatever the fuck you want in new york city so uh, this is like the life rachel you're 19 years old and you're already starring in funny girl and you probably would get a tony nomination for this because i mean funny girl is an iconic role and if the new york times is already giving you rave reviews you're a shoe in like this is the beginning of your career so for you to feel the Oh, I don't really know. This is really what I wanted. I guess, girl, girl. Yeah, it's it's like I said, hard to believe she's getting all of the fame and the attention, and she wants to get the Tony, and she might get the Tony from doing this job, this role. Everybody has praised her up and down. Her director could not be more in love with her. She's like, she's getting from Sydney what she uh, what she never got from Will. Like Will was always right. you know positive affirmation here and there, and gave her solos or whatever. But like Sydney is like fawning over her like he is obsessed with her he she is his star like this is all she's ever wanted and she's getting it all and she's like yeah no i'm kind of bored and again i get that she's uh doing way too many shows like eight shows a week too much she should be getting a break but i don't even know if she had a break at this point if we would believe that she is you know feeling any differently it seems like she got her she got what she wanted and now she's like all right i want the next big thing which is an understandable energy but still hard to process it's just it's un, it's an unhealthy way of living to never be satisfied you will never like yeah. it's just never you need you need to have a cap you need mm-hmm. to find fulfillment or you never you're just never going to be satisfied that's just but that's uh, that's, that's exhausting. you know being 19 years old and hitting your cap is uh you know probably a tough ask uh i mean maybe maybe hitting a cap is a harsh thing to say maybe just you need moderation you need guidance you need to know which opportunities are for you and which ones are not you need to have some sort of like you need to have a barometer because you can't just grab, 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 grab. And then the next thing you know, you grab onto some something with thorns on it. And then you're going to, well, that's the whole point of this episode. So let's just continue with the story. Uh, Rachel's going to meet up with Sydney at the Spotlight Diner and tell him that she's beginning to feel the wear and tear in her voice. Eight shows a week is kind of a lot. Um, can I just get maybe, you know, Tuesday off? <laughs> It's just so, so sketch. Like, I'm really tired. Can I get Tuesday off, please? Sydney's like, oh, no, 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 no. You know what? I'm going to call you uh, one of the best ENTs in New York City. Uh, he's going to put you on a B12 drip. Uh, he's going to shoot some steroids down your throat, too. I'm like, bitch, you need to calm down, sir. <laughs> like, shoot steroids down her throat? You want her fucking throat to look like a damn bicep on stage? Like, God, like, golly. He's just like, no, like, you need to stay in the show. And Rachel's like, well, 
wouldn't it just be easier if I just took some time off? He's like, no, you are my star. Like, maybe if there was a, a some sort of, like, natural disaster or an alien invasion in midtown Manhattan, maybe. Or if your head were to get cut off, maybe. But anything else, no, you're not leaving the show. So stiff-armed there. It's a no-go. Yep. Like I said, this guy is uh, a little... A little over the top in uh, the way that he is uh, handling all of this. I, I, again, do not know if this lines up with what Broadway directors tend to be like, if this is some kind of like exaggerated stereotype. He's not even director. Producer, yeah, of the Broadway producer. I don't know. But uh, either way, it's a lot. It's a lot here. This is a pretty dramatic I definitely feel like there's got to be something in like the union, like SAG or whatever. Or the your equity for you to be like, ah, no, I am entitled to this amount of like shows yeah. off. Like that's what understudies are for. Like, you know, it is, I mean, it is still the beginning of the production, so maybe there's something a little bit different when it's the beginning, but still, mm-hmm. because you know, you get you get people hyped up to see Rachel Berry. You need to offer Rachel Berry. Like, if she gets rave reviews on her, for her debut, she at least least needs to be there for like the first couple of months in order for you to sell the tickets. So yeah, but yeah, she he's not down with it. Um, over in the studio, Mercedes and Santana are attempting to lay down vocals, vocals, but Mercedes, it's just not working. Like, they can't find a rhythm. They can't find a groove. And she's like, I'm just not feeling it in here. Like, I'm just not, I just can't do it. I feel stifled. Um, Deshaun, the producer, lets her know that they don't have much more time. They're on a time crunch. Like, if they don't get done with uh, this shit today, it's just, like, you're going to lose the album. Santana is like, okay, look. Didn't you say the whole reason that you moved to NYC was for you to get inspired by the city, for you to find another sound? Maybe we need to get out, get out of the studio. Uh, And Deshaun says, well, you know, some artists have performed in an elevator and recorded songs in there, you know, so maybe maybe she's not wrong. Um, So we're going to get this performance of fucking Lauryn Hill's doo-wop, that thing with Santana and Mercedes as they are going through, like, I guess, like, the basement of whatever building they're in. Dr. Um, Phil's studio. Oh, oh, it was Dr. Phil's studio? Yes, like, I, according I, I to the wiki. That. No, 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 it was I don't think it was shown on the show. I think it was just uh, a fun fact that that's where they filmed this. Oh, wow. Interesting. Uh, but, yeah, they are jamming. They saw, uh, this was so unexpected. I remember seeing this for the first time and be like, oh, no, they're not. No, they're not. Yes! Oh, it's the perfect song for these two. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I like it a lot as well. I don't know this song from before Glee. Uh, apologies. It sounds like you you do. Oh, I don't know where I would know it from, Matt. but um, they they Matt, both Matt, absolutely Matt, Matt. sound incredible. Uh, it's just, it's a really fun performance, and I, I'm sure I would appreciate it even ten times more if I had known the original, but that doesn't matter. Like, it's still uh, it's still a really, really, really fun time. Santana holding up the red speaker, Mercedes singing, or going, you know, going with the whole rest of the song. I'm like, these two queens just walking around, getting their vibe on together in this random basement of, of, of Dr. Phil's studio. I was like, this is, uh, this is a whole lot of fun. It's I love this song. I mean, I grew up with this song. This is from the pinnacle album of Lauryn Hill. The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill is one of the best albums of all time. Got like 10 Grammy Award, Grammy nominations. I think it won five awards. Lauryn Hill became the first woman to get that many awards and nominations in one night. 
I think it was also the first hip hop album to win a, the win the uh, the Grammy for album of the year in 1999. Like it is mm-hmm. the it's like the standard it's the gold standard for hip-hop and and r&b like it's just lauren hill is that bitch and she has since not really uh, had a really good career afterwards really unfortunate i feel like it's like a whole mental thing going on with her which is unfortunate but it is what it is but this song is just one of one of her most famous songs and i died when i when they when they came on the screen singing this shit, I was like, "You have got to be fucking kidding me!" And then you it just you know you ask the questions like, "How long could it have taken for this to actually be a thing?" But then I'm like, "I'm glad that they waited this long for it to be a part of this particular scene because I can't imagine this being sung by anybody else, and I can't imagine this being sung in any other context for this show." So it just mm-hmm. it's perfect. Yeah, these perfect. two. I mean, Mercedes is is so correct that these two have always had the best duets. Like they've always been uh, the two that work together the best on the show. And uh, just to bring it to a real life place for a second, obviously things have been pretty sad in the Glee universe in the past couple of months. But uh, the day that we're recording this, uh, Amber Riley is performing tonight on Jimmy Kimmel, doing a tribute to Naya. And uh, I thought it was like, I don't know, it kind of hit me extra hard when I was watching the episode earlier. I was like, these two just had like something super special, super magical about whenever they would do performances together, whether it was a slow down song uh, during a nationals perform or regionals performance, whatever it was, or something like super fun like this or anything they did was just magic. So I'm, uh, you know, I think uh, it's it's fitting that the tribute is happening from Amber tonight. And I'm uh, looking forward to that. And um, just thought I would throw that in there as well. It's just a really, really fun, memorable time that these two are having down in this random basement, like I said. With Dr. Phil. Yeah. With Dr. Phil upstairs. Well, Deshaun thinks uh, that it's magic as well. Uh, he loves the sound. And uh, Mercedes like, we got to get this back in the studio. And he's like, no, nah, we're going to we're going to record this down here in this dungeon. Like, this is this is great. Um, so it looks like Santana's idea was, was spot on. Mercedes Jones, you have yourself an album. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Back at the Bushwick apartment, Rachel is trying to convince Kurt, well, mostly herself, that going to the test reading in L.A. is a great opportunity. Kurt doesn't think that she should drop her dream too early. So, yes, thank you, Kurt, for being the voice of reason here. Um, and that it's going to make her seem undedicated and unfocused and irresponsible and just a, a plethora of other bullet. Like, just you're just going to you're going to look stupid, Rachel, for doing this. Um, and Rachel hits him with the, well, if you were offered a chance to audition for a television show, like, what would you do? Would you turn it down? To which Kurt's going to concede that he probably wouldn't as well. But he still thinks it's a bad idea to lie to Sydney. Like, come on. Like, if you lie to him, like, you're, you're going to make it worse. Like, what if somebody sees you? You know, people in L.A. are Broadway fans, too. Like, what if somebody recognizes you or, like, like, while you're on set or something? Or, or worse, what if somebody at this reading knows Sydney and is like, oh, thank you so much for letting, letting Rachel come and test for our show. Like, I just feel like she didn't think this through, but she doesn't give a fuck. Kurt's going to give her his blessing of sorts, and she's going to go ahead and call Lee up and confirm her audition. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad she got Kurt's permission. I was like, when did he become her personal manager i don't know it's weird he just she just needed him to say yes so that she felt less 
yeah, nervous about it. I still, I was like, eh, you're going to do what you're going to do anyway. And don't like involve Kurt and make him like, cause then like, if this doesn't work out, like you feel like she's going to go back to Kurt and be like, you were the one who told me this, uh, that I should do it. Even though he very much no, did not. No, I just feel like you just like to hear shit from your friends. Like, like I said, that's what she was convincing herself. Mostly she just needed, she just needed that one extra person to be like, okay, fine for her. Like, okay, yes, I'm not making the right decision. Like confirmation bias, essentially like yeah. say yes. So that I know that I'm right. Mm-hmm. But yes, damn yeah. it. A relatable, a relatable need. I've, uh, you know, felt that before. Oh, I've definitely, oh, I have worn friends down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I know exactly what she's doing here. All right. So it's the night of the showcase. That's what Kurt was getting dressed for as he was um having the conversation with Rachel. If you don't call this man Lumiere, I'm hanging up. I've always wanted to be Lumiere on Broadway so much. And then you would quit after three weeks. I would quit after three weeks. So that I could be Lumiere in the live action remake. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so June Dalloway. Who is June Dalloway being played by? Who is this actress? Shirley MacLaine. Shirley MacLaine. And what is Shirley MacLaine known for? Being on Glee. I recognize her voice. Oh my God. Like the first thing that people search for is Shirley, Shirley MacLaine dead or alive. God damn. Oh, she's old. She's born in 1934. <laughs> Hope she's not listening to this. <laughs> I mean, I didn't Girl, mean that you're as old. a brute. I mean, as, as a rude thing, I mean, she is old. Like, I didn't mean it meanly. I mean, she's she's up there. Good for her. That's a beautiful uh, life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she has a she has an Oscar. She's in a bunch of movies. She was oh, she was in Stealing Magnolias. Okay, she's won she a few British awards. <laughs> she's won a Golden Globe. She was on Glee. So she's she yeah she's a. Uh, She's an actress and singer and dancer and all that shit. Good for her. The awesome. Dining Room proudly presents your dinner. Your Shirley. Please welcome our newly christened Dolloway Dance Lab, uh, our guest of honor, Mrs. June Dolloway. She's going to come out. Yay. Everyone loves her. I'm pretty sure this new dance lab is the exact same dance lab that they've been having dance classes in this whole time. Um, but Kurt's really, really excited. Bert, or Bert, uh, Blaine's like, oh, it's like modern American royalty. Awesome. Uh, so she's going to take her seat, and the MC is going to have the plaque with her name on it revealed. And then he's like, two of our finest have been selected to perform for you. <laughs> Kurt Emil and Blaine Anderson. And Kurt and Blaine are going to get up there and sing this dumbass song, The Story <laughs> of My Life. Oh, my goodness. Um, look, as a One Direction stan, I am happy to have them on the show. But why? Like, what the fudge is this all about? Why on earth did they think that this was the proper venue to be out here singing Story of My Life by One Direction? I, like... When they did uh, One Direction last time with What Makes You Beautiful, they did it at prom. It was, you know, a fun setting. Of course, people want to hear some One Direction at prom. They had four voices on it, which wasn't five, or they might have had five. They had four or five, you know, Sam and Joe and Artie and whoever. And here we have two guys, just Blaine and Kurt, singing this. Like, Kurt's voice does not line up with the One Direction voices at all. This is not a, a Kurt song. This was just... 
here's a couple that uh, you guys, the fans, love, Curtin Blaine, and here's a song that you young kids love these days, uh, One Direction, and uh, we're going to mash it all together. This really just reminds me of, like, Blaine singing Last Friday Night uh, back in season three of, like, there is no reason for this song to have happened other than to get it on the charts uh, if they were able to. Um, it does not fit in here well at all. Yeah. It's 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 very bizarre. I mean, it's it's you know it's to sell to sell the the song on Glee. But at that point, like the people were people still like feverishly downloading Glee songs. I think so, at yeah. this point, it's it was, it was probably not as strong as it was you know back you know when they first started doing this. But like the the way for them, I guess, to keep themselves on the charts, especially like look at the last couple of episodes. Like we haven't had much top forty pop kind of stuff, so it's not surprising that they had to work some of this back in there with "Wake Me Up" and "Story of My Life" to kind of get themselves back on the charts. I just don't know if it worked. I don't remember uh, you know how I felt about it at the time, but I know I don't feel great about it now. Yeah, I just feel like it's not different enough for me to be like oh yeah i want the glee version of this song at that point no, like no, i don't no. know just nah this is a song that i like from one direction and i would still probably skip it if the glee version came up i like that other lead single from i think it was their next album after this i don't really know album cycles for one direction but i don't think it was uh what's that song called uh history i like that song mm, yeah they have a lot of good music <laughs> why'd you say that like that because I'm stretching. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> June is going to approach the both of them at the. Oh, well, first off, during the performance, Blaine is going to make it a point to connect with June for a couple of seconds. He's going to come down and like get on his knee and like hold his hand out to her. Oh, it seems wow. very organic. And he goes back. And then Kurt's like, well, let me do that, too. And he goes up to her and does the same thing. And it seems very forced. Mm-hmm. Um, but June, you know, obliges with both of them. At the end of the performance, she's going to approach them. And let them know that she has an eye for extraordinary talent. And she's been honing it for a number of years. So she knows what people want. She's a tastemaker, darling. She knows what's good. She knows what's not. And she thinks that they have it. And she would love it if they would accompany to her accompany her to um, her benefit event that she has coming up later on. And Kurt believes that she's talking to him and is like oh my god i would love to i i swear to you like I, you won't regret this i am your diamond in the rough i am your lump of coal let's do it lump of coal uh no not you dear june is specifically talking to blaine yeah is it not is it just me or is it like very obvious that she's looking at and talking to blaine the entire time like she didn't look at kurt once she had that like we we see a couple different shots of the way that this all plays out. Like first it's behind the boys. So we see it looks like she's looking at Blaine. And then from the other way, like you just see Kurt just, you know, so excited, elated that she's standing in front of them, talking to them with praise that maybe he's just not even processing it. But it was, it was like, how do you not realize that she's not talking to you? See, I wondered too, because I have to, um, I don't remember what I was feeling when I first watched it because I knew what was going to happen when I watched it this time. So I was looking for that. I mean, yeah. there were definitely points where she does look at Kurt. Like she she, she makes looks at him, to... but then she looks at Blaine and then she looks back at Kurt for a second and then she looks at Blaine. Yeah, but I don't know if I were seeing this for the first time. I don't know what I would have thought because it's very clear that like now that we know that she's talking to Blaine, that when she looks at Blaine, we're like, well, she's looking, looking at him. You know what I mean? But what would he have said the same thing? Have you been watching it for the first time? 
Right, and you, you know, yeah, I mean, you're probably, you know, in Kurt's position, he's sitting there like the two of us just performed. If we're getting praise and you know an invitation to do something else, it's probably for the both of us. Why would she only, you know, why wouldn't she just pull Blaine aside? So, uh, you know, not a hundred percent dunking on Kurt here, but I'm like, the signs are there. You know, he probably, you know, if the character of Kurt rewatched this, he'd be like, oh damn, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Kurt. Poor Kurt. But, you know, we're going to cut right back to the Bushwick apartment and uh, Kurt's helping him get ready for the event. Um, Blaine isn't sure if he wants to go. He's just like, I don't know if it's really worth all of this. It's going to take take some time away from you. Maybe I should just stay here and watch Scandal. And Kurt's like, stop. Like, I'm jealous, but I'm not resentful. Uh, I want you to feel good about this. This is a great opportunity for you. And, like, you know, we're in this together. So, you know, once you start opening doors and walking through them, I'll be right behind you. So it's not like, you know, I'm completely left in the dust. And we're in this together, so don't worry about me. Try and have a good time tonight. It's it should be great. He's like, how do I look? He's like a like a young Montgomery Clift. He's like, what? He's like, before the accident. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I looked up a picture of Montgomery Clift because I didn't know what he looked like, and sure, fine, cool. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna go right over to the events. Blaine is gonna ask June who all these people are. She's like, this is the one percent. Of the 1%. Never have so many boring and rich people found themselves grouped together in such a space. You know, it's funny. Kurt was just telling me that he thinks someone like you is too fabulous to have friends. Oh, no. My friends are why I'm fabulous. She's going to introduce him to Andrew, uh, who's, I guess, one of the event coordinators. But this event is here to help him launch his career she wants him to be like the main attraction for this event to inspire people to i guess throw money i'm not really sure what she's raising money for but they're there to sell like art and shit like that and so blaine is supposed to be the centerpiece of this and she wants to introduce him to a bunch of powerful people at first i was getting like real like escorty vibes from this i don't know if you were but that's what i was that was that's Mm -hmm. what i was getting no, 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 no. I definitely got that. I think they, uh, it would be hard to not, not get that. I think especially after like later on when the two of them are going to talk and Kurt kind of sniffs out that maybe Blaine is talking about something like that had gone on. He's like, no, 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 no. It wasn't like that, but it definitely felt like it could have been. Yeah. Okay. Well, one of the other coordinators are going to come to June and be like, okay, so the people just aren't placing bets or placing bids right now. She's like, okay, well you need to encourage them to. And he's like, well, I can't just force them to give june like we we need something here um and she's like you know what you're right you're right so she's gonna ask blaine to get up and sing with her um to inspire these guests to part with their money and they are going to put on a performance of take another little piece of my heart by janice joplin take it which seems to do the trick because people are throwing the money yeah um sure okay cool um cool yeah awesome cool (laughs) They sing. Yeah, cool. I, I got no, I got nothing. Uh, this is a, I don't know. I just like this episode takes so many of the, you know, because we don't have a lot of characters in this episode. Uh, a couple of people missing. Artie's not here. Sam's not here. Like it's Cord Overstreet missing an episode for the first time in like like a while. Um, but so they take the characters that we do have and they give them all like a plus one of somebody that we don't know. So Blaine with June and Mercedes Santana with Deshaun and Rachel with 
the guy from Fox and whatnot. And everybody has like somebody else that they're working with playing off of. I guess you can even count Sydney in there. So I don't know. I'm just like all these bonus characters I'm not totally into. The whole Blaine and June Dalloway storyline is not one that I ever cared about at all. Um, it was really just, you know, an opportunity for them to put Darren Chris in the spotlight in the same way that, you know, Leah Michelle is. Uh, she, you know, she's got all this stuff going for her, but Blaine's only, you know, off at school taking classes. So we still have Darren Chris on the show. He's becoming a huge rising star from the Glee world. We've really got to give him some more individual focus and highlight going forward on the show. And that's what they're doing here. So they're giving him a full opportunity to be like, oh, we're discovering you, Blaine, because you're just as talented. You have all of what it takes to be a star. And that's what June is, you know, trying to do. And, you know, she goes into this performance with him, which is just, okay, cool. Um, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I, don't, I really don't have anything on this. Yeah, it's a very odd and bizarre storyline for him to, like, rise so meteoropically. Um, I mean, I guess it's sort of, like, happened with Rachel the same way, but at least with Rachel, we saw all the work that she was putting in. This just seems to be, like, have been handed to Blaine. And for what purpose? Especially towards the yeah. end of the season. It's like, where is this going to go? It's very, very strange. Exactly. It's like, what's the goal of this? What are we trying to aim for? Like, we want people to just know who he is. We want people to know his name. Like, is that just how this works? You just become a star by doing these performances in front of the rich people and then they all know who it you was are, for Shirley MacLaine let's be honest like Ryan Murphy I mean he, he has yeah, a yeah, thing yeah. for all the actresses that he grew up watching like that's why he's so obsessed mm-hmm. with like Jessica Lang and all these people um yeah so he was able to you know bring her onto the show and he's like here's one of our top stars do a do a number with him have a couple scenes with him right exactly Back in the studio, the recording studio, Mercedes uh, is going to propose that the single that they're looking for should be a duet with her and Santana. She says, look, we sounded great together. And Deshaun is like, yeah, you guys sounded wonderful on a Lauryn Hill song, but this should be about you. Um, He admits that Santana is talented, but Mercedes has to focus on her sound individually. If you start your debut album with your debut single, that's a duet. How are you supposed to differentiate yourself from other people? Like how, like you need to work on your image. Um, Santana is gonna agree and be like, maybe we should go. Mercedes is like, no, like it's my album. I should get a say in like what I put out onto the album, what I put out into the world as a single. Uh, he's like, okay, well, if it's that important to you, how about I hook you up with somebody like Alicia or Carly or uh, it's like, wait, Carly Rae Jepsen? Is that who he's talking about? I didn't catch the actual names, but I don't know what other Carly there would be at the time. Fucking, he's, wait, first of all, he said Alicia. Alicia, I understand. Similar music. Katie? Katy Perry? <laughs> yeah, that's, that doesn't make sense to you. Uh, Mercedes Jones and Katy Perry? Katy Perry and Carly Rae Jepsen. <laughs> Sounds about white. What? Like, are they even part of the same label? Like, I don't that's very strange to me. Maybe he very was pandering strange. and trying to get them on the show. <laughs> maybe. Or maybe, maybe, I mean, during the little uh, diva off, Mercedes was talking about how she is going to be a pop diva. So maybe she's dipping a little bit more into the realm of pop than we're giving her credit for. So maybe mm-hmm. it's not that far out of the realm. But for you to start off with Alicia, then go to Katie, then yeah. go to Carly. It's like, you're just going way, way, Especially- way down. <laughs> Especially for for Mercedes to be here, like, here is Santana Lopez, a very talented young artist. This is the person that I would want to work with. This is the person that I vibe well with musically. And they're like, oh, Santana, what about Carly Rae Jepsen? That's similar, right? That's what you want. That's what, that'll, that'll be a good match. 
Santana Lopez uh, would would take Carly Rae Jepsen. What would she even? Do? I'm not even gonna go there. I was gonna say like she would cut to the feeling featuring Mercedes Jones. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. I wanna play with the play with the angels. <laughs> I wanna cut to the feeling. Whoa! <laughs> you know what? She might not sound bad on that song actually. <laughs> I can I can kind of hear it. I can hear it as well, just not that high pitch like, you know, what, what Carly does. She would be, have to be, like, a lot lower, like, uh... But no, I, can, I can see it She's working. a lyric soprano. She can get those notes. Talking about Santana? No, I was talking about Mercedes. Oh, I was talking about <laughs> Santana. <laughs> oh, no, Santana would... No. Santana is definitely more, uh... Is definitely be welcomed into the pop world more quickly than Mercedes would. That's for fucking sure. Uh, yeah. But, but, nah, nah, nah. Okay, yeah. But yeah, Santana's not, not not really happy with this. I don't know if you already said this, uh, but she, yeah. you know, it's it sucks to see her pretty dejected like this about how she's realizing that the guy doesn't want her. They uh, the the way forward for Mercedes is to be with a big pop star, and that's obviously not Santana. So somebody like Santana, who's out here a little struggling lately with you know finding her corner of the sky, is uh, is not doing too well with it. Especially hearing that she's just you know she's like she tells Mercedes, I'm not worth it. I'm like, oh, this is. Ralph, my girl, come on, get back on your feet. I mean, she's going through a bit of a transformation here, right? Like, she just, you know, was able to get called to her senses from Brittany during the whole debacle with Funny Girl and Rachel. And she's trying to be a little bit better, but she still is having a hard time letting go of, like, the fact that she hasn't really been nice. So the fact that someone is trying to do something nice for her and bend over backwards, she's like, I don't really deserve this, especially if this, like, and, you know, if Deshaun had been a bit more amenable to it, then maybe. But now that, like, she can see that Mercedes is potentially putting her own career on the line, it's like, you know what? No, like, it's it's not worth it. Like, I, I just almost, like, torpedoed Rachel Berry's career. I'm not about to do this to Mercedes, who, like, I actually sort of like, unlike Rachel. Like, like Rachel, I, you know, She's unbearable half the time, but I don't want to drag Mercedes down in this gutter with me either. So, yeah, it, it sucks because she's definitely worth it. It's just that this is not the route for you to take. Like, it's it's wonderful that Sint- that Mercedes is trying to do this for her, and there's still there was still like potential for her to actually get a little something something going on because Deshaun says, "Look, if it's that important to you, we can get someone to do a duet with you, and Santana can be in backup." Like, mm-hmm. fuck Nick, effect, fuck Tesla and uh, Shanice. <laughs> Like, oh, we'll, put, no. we'll put Santana back in <laughs> in the mix if that's what you really want. But yeah. that's not how we're going to do this. But Santana leaves and Mercedes calls after her, but damage is done. But, you know, kudos for trying, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Blaine and June are talking later on. Um, and Blaine is asking how she ended up in the position that she's in now. June explains that, you know, she's always been a very charismatic person and she believes that what you put out into the world will come back to you so if you um put out charisma to everyone you know it comes back um like attracts like which is why i'm so in like with you weird um but she just explains to him that she just wants to showcase his talent he she believes that the world is waiting for the next big thing and that he could be it and so he's just trying she's just trying to give that to the world and blaine is just so happy that she sees him that way um, she wants to put on the biggest, her biggest event of the year, centering around him. And Blaine says, this is wonderful, but I honestly would feel much better if Kurt could be a part of it, too. We do everything together, and uh, we're going to be getting married soon. And I just I just want this to be a team endeavor with him. And she's like, no, the world doesn't need to see that. Sorry. Yikes. <laughs> he's he's yeah, like, she's not a fan oh, of Kurt. <laughs> well, 
I don't think that I want to do it then. And she's like, look, I've been married like three times. Love is cute and everything, but you have to start thinking about your career more than thinking about that. Like, fuck Kurt. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, not to not to be like a complete downer. I just don't really have, you know, um, many strong takes on any of this. It's just like, okay, cool. Again, more give, giving more of a, of a Blaine spotlight here in the episode. And I don't know. Maybe it's not like the worst thing. Like this is a character who maybe we are looking for more growth and uh, more from his character rather than just being obsessed over Kurt and in love with Kurt. Like this guy is talented. He does have a future ahead of him if he can, you know, get a plan together and I don't know we just don't follow much of his personal journey outside of the relationship with Kurt so I don't know again you know I, I'm not a fan of it but maybe maybe there is some good in here that I can talk myself into just I don't know it just seems so random it seems like this is the kind of realization that we could be getting from him with like a friend with a Sam with somebody else that's like dude you know you are really good you need to stop letting all of this lovey-dovey engagement stuff hold you back from, you know, running towards whatever the goal you have is. You don't even, maybe you don't even have a goal because you're all obsessed with Kurt and with the wedding and, you know, being uh, so in love. So I don't know. Um, I just, it, uh, you know, it doesn't always, this, this scene and this stuff doesn't always leave me with like the most excitement. I don't know. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it, it, it's inconsequential. I mean, what else can you say? Yeah. Rachel is going to pull a Karen from Mean Girls on Sydney. And call out sick. I have the flu. <laughs> I just can't go on. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, Sydney's like, oh my goodness. Like, uh, well, I mean, I, I really don't want to go on without you, but I, 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 I will if I have to. Like, but you're, you're my star. No one can replace you. She's like, but can't, can't Wendy, my understudy, do it? And he's like, well, I mean, she's gonna, she's gonna have to. But like, you need to get back here as soon as possible. She's like, okay, well. I'm doing all of that again. I'm resting up. I'm getting fluids. I have like a miracle mouthwash. Like I'm just doing everything that I can to make sure that I can come back and give like 110% when I come back. <laughs> Thank you so much. We pan out. She is in LA in the middle of some fucking studio. Like she lie. She a liar. She's going to uh, go on into to uh, this room with a bunch of TV execs. Leah's there. The leading man that's going to play Solomon in Song of Solomon is also there for the reading. And before they can even get a word in edgewise, Rachel's going to come in with her little with her little uh, radio and be like, oh, well, hello, my name is Rachel Berry, and I'll be singing The Rose. <laughs> She's going to go into this performance with The Rose. I mean, this is the first time in a while where I just wanted Rachel to, like, not sing. Where I, where I wanted, like, the music to, like, not be here in general. Like... I used to get so pissed off in musicals when I was younger because I'd be like, oh, my God, I just want to get to the story. Like, fuck the song. And this is the first time when watching Glee where I was like, no, girl, this is not the time for this. <laughs> right. Like, why uh, is she just coming in here and singing? Because that's what she used, is used to. Like, she's used to coming into an audition and having to sing because she assumes that. I mean, we'll get into the reason why. She's going to tell them what she expected, what was happening here. They understand what the miscommunication was. Um, but... Yeah, uh, this is kind of awkward for everybody that's not Rachel, which I don't think the audience realizes right away, because, of course, Rachel's auditioning for something she has to sing for. But then after she gets through the number, it's like, yeah, this is kind of awkward. And as far as the number goes, uh, do you know the song from anything? What is it from? It is a Bette Midler song. Do you know it? I do not know this song, no. Okay, yeah, neither do I. It's like uh, when, when I have my like document that I rank all my songs in, I have like kind of towards the bottom of each section, there's songs that I'm like, 
I just have no opinion on this song, so I don't want to rate it because it's like, yeah, she sounds great, but like, I don't know this song at all. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really land with me, but, uh, yeah, yeah. that's, uh, that's me. That's that. And just on top of like the awkwardness of the situation, it just really taints the whole experience. for me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're going to tell her like, look, we didn't need you to sing. That was lovely, but no, no, sis. It's, this is like a sci-fi television series. It's not a musical. Rachel was shocked. She didn't know. Um, which is, you know, understandable because Lee's assistant never sent her the script, so she had no idea what she was doing. Although I still feel like you would come into a cold reading expecting to read and not sing, but okay, Rachel, okay. Lee's like, all right, well, we just want to test you along with a leading man. Uh, this is the scene that you're gonna be that you're gonna be reading, and why don't you just give it a go? Um, the Rach- the she bombs the audition, point blank. I don't think that they really need to elongate this. It's horrible. It all culminates in this awkward ass kiss that she doesn't even open her mouth for. It's horrendous. Because this, they, they described this as uh, galleons, uh, galleons, <laughs> guardians yeah. of the galaxy meets Game of Thrones, and like, well, and with a uh, a strong Grey's Anatomy element attached to it. And she's like, oh yeah, love that show. Um, this is not Rachel, so yeah, uh, the bomb audition makes a whole lot of sense. This was not right for her. And not only was it, she just wasn't prepared at all. Like, there was just nothing to be, like, she could, was stumbling over the words. Like, it, it was just horrible. And Lee knew it was horrible because before she can even continue on to a next scene, she's like, you know what? We're good. That's it. I don't need to say any more. Thanks for that. We'll be in touch. Rachel walks out of the studio, like, knowing that that was, like, the worst audition of her life, which I am sure that, that it was, like, because she does not do bad auditions. She's going to call Sydney. And pretty much be like, oh, Sydney, like, magically healed, I guess. Like, what? Like, couldn't even be 20 minutes later. Yeah, I just want to express to you, like, my dedication to the show. Oh, well, well for, before that, Sydney had called her, like, 15 times. Um, she'd missed all of them. Um, she's like, I'm sorry about our last conversation. You know, I just wanted to reiterate my commitment to Broadway, to the show. And I wanted to tell you that what an honor it is working for you and being in Funny Girl. And, you know, I was thinking after playing Fanny night after night after night. And I honestly, I just, it made me feel so much better. And Sydney's like, I'm so relieved. I'm so relieved to hear that, Rachel, because your understudy today during rehearsal, she fell off the lip of the stage. So... You're going to have to come in, um, get to the studio by 7 o'clock, um, and we'll see you there. Great. Rachel's in shock. Doesn't know what the fuck to do. Uh, she runs out of the studio, calls the nearest taxi, which isn't even that easy to get a taxi like that in L.A., hops in the taxi, asks um, th- him to take her to the airport. It's a mess. I honestly don't see how she feels like she's going to get back in ta- get back in town in time like it just it makes no fucking sense she gets stuck in la traffic um she asks the taxi driver like well, how much further to the airport like are we gonna get there in time she's like it's just not gonna happen like there's nothing that i can do we're stuck in the traffic it is what it is it's la it's the middle of the day it's the afternoon um she calls kurt in a panic she's like he explains everything that happens kurt is gonna insist to her like this is a disaster you need to call sydney and tell him the truth right now she's like no 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 no. i already ruined this my tv career i don't want to ruin my broadway career either like i you need to help me out here kurt is gonna come barging into the spotlight diner 
right after Mercedes has just dropped a contract on the table to Santana saying like, look, I don't care what Deshaun says. I want you to be a part of this project. Even if it's like you as my backup singer, if it's you on one of the songs featured, like we're going to make this work. Santana is insisting that she's not worth it. Like she's not a really good friend, but she's like, look, you might be a work in progress, but you're worth the wait. Santana's like, this is the nicest thing that anybody's ever done for me. Mercedes is like, I know, right? Kurt comes barging in. You guys haven't been answering your phones. Rachel is stuck in LA in, in traffic. Her understudy can't perform. She needs to get back to New York before the show starts, but we need to somehow stall it. Like, I don't know what to do. Do we call a bomb threat? Do we do we do we say that Barbara Streisand is in is in uh, Central Park doing a benefit concert for free? Like, what are we gonna do? Santana's like, calm down. All those ideas suck. I know exactly what we're gonna do. Cut to Santana rereading some of the lines in the dressing room. Barclays didn't know who else to call. Sydney is like, how could this happen? He walks into the dressing room. She, he's like, what the hell do you think you're doing? Santana's like, I'm going on. It's Fanny. Where is Rachel? She's not here. But, you know, if you want to hand out refunds for the next couple of hours, you can, you know, try and get her here or cancel the show. Sydney, I know what I'm doing. I was the understudy a couple months ago. I know what's like, I know the blocking. I know everything. Like, just let me do this. So Santana's playing Fanny Bryce. Get it, girl. Yeah. Um, can we talk about how Sydney pushed the understudy off the stage and tried to make her think that she just <laughs> fell? Like that. Yeah, because we cut to we man. cut to her on the couch and Barclays is like ex- explaining to her what happened. Yeah, uh, it definitely <laughs> felt to me like you fell off the lip of the stage. Do you hear me? That's what just happened. You fell off the lip of the stage uh, when 100% Sydney pushed her off the stage. You uh, know what? I feel like we need like a spinoff show like a la Better Call Saul, but like it's like don't fuck with Sydney. And it's like this TV show about like this very devious Broadway producer who will stop at <laughs> nothing to make sure that his show is the best on like. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> We have yeah, like to watch Rachel Smash. was like Rachel kept bringing up to Sydney like I have an understudy she can go on for me like he, she said that so many times uh, and every single time he's like yeah but she's not you she's not my star so when the uh, situation came down to it and Rachel said I am not coming you have to use my understudy Sydney was like all right well I'm gonna push her off the stage and make sure that you have to come so that's what happened there um, insane the yeah this is a, a pretty crazy sequence of events here that leads to Kurt having this boatload of stupid ideas that luckily Santana's here to save the day and you know she is having a hard time finding her way in the streets of New York these days but let's not forget how great she was when she auditioned for uh for to be you know in this part she got the backup uh, not the backup she got the well the backup plan uh she got the understudy uh for Rachel in the show and then she dropped it on her own so she i guess was ready to go and then she comes in here all confident like if Santana Lopez comes up to you confidently saying I can do this you're going to look in her eyes and you're going to believe her she's not going to go out there and embarrass herself there's no way no hell like no no way no hell i was going to say no way no how and then no shot in hell and i combined it to no way no hell um so Santana is not about to go out there and look silly she knows what she's doing so Sydney let's do it don't push her off the stage or I will hurt you. I don't understand why Rachel thought that she was even going to like, look, 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 I, I am no stranger to overbooking myself. Matt can attest to that. I have annoyed Matt to the ends of the earth with that bullshit. It's something that I'm trying to fix in my twenties because I don't want to have that habit going into like my professional life. But Rachel, you need to know when to call it quits. 
you should have just come clean right then and there. Because even if your even if your audition with them was at 10 a.m. at the earliest in L.A., at the earliest, it's already 1 p.m. in New York. You are three hours behind. And once you get on the plane, which is going to be at the minimum five hours, at the minimum. You're fucked, girl. Like, you should have just said something right then and there. And I'm pissed that Kurt didn't just be like, look, I'm not, I'm, no, Rachel, I'm not helping you here. I'm not about to get roped into your ridiculous plan of trying to, to like, what are you going to, how are you going to stall the show? How? Mm-hmm. How? Yeah. They, uh, every, every idea that Rachel's ever had, all of the things that she puts into Kurt's brain of like, I can do it, I can do it. He just starts to buy it and believe it. And he's like, all right, if Rachel says that she's coming back tonight and she'll make it in time for the show, we just have to help her. He's like, that's what we're going to do. So he just listens along. Uh, but luckily Santana is there to balance the two of them out and be like, no, you're both idiots. This is not happening. There's no way she's getting back in time. Uh, I will go out and take care of the show because I have to handle everything around here. She probably spent so much money too because she spent the tickets to get there. She probably bought. She already po- probably bought a ticket at a later time to come back, not expecting to have to rush back. So then she probably had to yeah. just forego that ticket and then buy another speed ticket. Like the girl That's probably fine. dropped a thousand dollars. Like it's-, it's fine. She's a Broadway star right now. She's got something coming in. That's true. I mean, I don't know how much since she's a new actress. I feel like they probably aren't paying her like what they're paying the other veterans but that's true yeah. she, she must have enough. some kind of money um but still a thousand dollars in a day like girl you're <laughs> off to a really rough spot with with your finances but anyway santana goes on so we're gonna just go right on to the aftermath rachel is gonna cook santana dinner as a thank you for helping her with the show um she also wants to know what santana is gonna want in return santana's like that's the kind of friend that you think i am rachel doesn't know what to say because the answer is yes, I mean, considering what she's been through with her. But Santana's like, look, I realize that I haven't been the best person in the past, but I'm really trying to be the friend that I should be. And I, I realize that the world is a lot colder than I am. That's what she says when uh, Rachel asks her what ha- made her have the change of heart. She's like, well, yeah, the world is the world's fucked up. And I think that I should be using my bitch powers to help those that I care about. And that means you. So... Uh, Rachel's taking it back, but she she thanks her for stepping in, and she was able to make it back for like the last few uh, scenes of the show. And Santana was really really good, so um, she's just mad at herself though. She's like, I just can't believe that I I did this. Like I had everything that I ever wanted, and I just threw it away for nothing, literally for nothing. But Santana is going to encourage her here and be like, look, I don't know what Sydney's going to do with you tomorrow. I don't know. He might, he might fire you. I know I would. But I know that you are Rachel Berry. Like, you never, nothing is going to keep you down. And I forget what analogy she makes here, but she's essentially saying that even no, no matter how horrible she is, she <laughs> is always going to find out. you're find a, a huge way to talent like Russell Crowe or Johnny Carson. No matter how awful you are, people are there always going to want to work with you. And I bolded that line because uh, let me read it again for you. No matter how awful you are, people are always going to want to work with you. Are we talking about the actor? Are we talking about the character? Both. Yep. Definitely. This is at the height of their feud. This is why Santana doesn't yeah. appear in the series finale. Allegedly. Yeah. Uh, well, the season finale, but then kind of in the season yeah, that's finale. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Season finale, yeah. Um, but yeah, so the two of them have had their history this season. We don't need to rehash that for the millionth of the time, but... 
Uh, Santana capitalized on this opportunity. Things haven't been super clear where she's been at since she came back to New York. Um, but she came back in the last episode. I gave her my gold star because Rachel does not go on to opening night. She does not, you know, none of what happened in the last episode happens unless Santana comes back in with the one method that worked for getting Rachel out of bed when everybody else tried and nobody else succeeded. So she came in there. She, uh, she got done what she needed to get done and now she just did it again. She just pulled out a second time to, uh, to be there for Rachel in some way that she, you know, wouldn't have been before. Like they were getting along just great. Things got weird, and now you know we're back in a place where Santana wants to uh, to try to be a little bit better because, as she said, the world is the world is is awful out there, and why am I doing my part to make it worse for people that I care about? So I guess I care about you, Barry. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen like one number with Santana during Funny Girl. I mean, we we've heard her sing "Don't Rain on My Parade," but I would have loved to hear her do something else. Like that'd have been really cool. Yeah, just like um, we we could have easily taken one of those June and Blaine scenes and had like a mashup of uh, Santana performing a scene in the show with like cuts to Rachel like speeding her way back to like the studio to not the studio the uh, the theater to watch the performance go down. Like we could have had a little sequence there to show that it was yeah. actually happening. Yeah, I would have loved that. That'd have been amazing. But yeah, the show is saved for now. Back at the Bushwick apartment, Blaine is going to tell Kurt. Well, he well they haven't been speaking to each other as much because Blaine has been spending six hours a day apparently with June, and so he hasn't really had a chance to catch up with Kurt. And Kurt's asking him how everything is going, like what's going on, like why haven't we, you know, been speaking, like what what like let, tell me everything, like. And Kurt's or Blaine's acting like really really weird because of what he's about to do. Kurt's gonna ask, like, nothing's going on, right? Like, there's nothing inappropriate going on, right? It's like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm just, we're just trying to, I'm, we're gonna be putting on a show. And he's like, oh my God, that's so amazing. Why didn't you tell me? And he's like, well, I wanted to wait until we got your part figured out. And Kurt is just gonna look so adorable here. His eyes just light up. He's like, oh! I get to be in it? Like, oh my goodness. Like, uh, why didn't you tell me? He's like, well, I just wanted to, you know, flesh it out a bit more. I just wanted to wait a little bit. It's like, oh my goodness, you're so sweet. Like, thank you so much. I can't wait to figure out what I'm going to be doing. Like, like, oh, I didn't mean to ruin the surprise. I'm sorry. This is so awesome. Thank you so much, honey. This is great. This is great. This is great. This is great. And Blaine is just sitting there like, yeah, woo, yay. This is going to be awesome. Why did you do this? Why did you do this? It's not like Blaine. It's not like Kurt even thought that he was even going to be in the show. So why did you do this? Why? <laughs> why? Why? If this, if there had been a scene with Kurt being like, oh, I really, 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 really want to be in it. And Blaine had been like, well, I'm going to try and get you in it. If there had been one of those scenes, then I can understand. But there was no inclination that he was going to be in the show. So why do this? Yeah, I guess we're not allowed to get any growth with Blaine without it having to do with Kurt, of course. Like I just said, we were trying to grow his character kind of on his own and show us some things that he was doing and being successful and having a mentor that was like really guiding him in the right direction. And then he comes back and he has to make it all about him and Kurt again, which is the exact opposite of what June Dalloway was suggesting to him. But uh, it does kind of lend true to Blaine's character, who only lives and breathes to make his fiance happy. So like from a love dove, lovey dovey perspective of like uh Clayne's I'm sure the Clayne fans were all happy to see them happy. But like, 
like look a little deeper and this is not going to end well. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> like it is. You've already lied to him. You've already cheated on him. Like he's already sensitive to this sort of betrayal. Like I don't oh god. But okay. I know I just it's dumb. Rachel's going to get sent to the producer's office, uh, which is the adult version of the principal's office. <laughs> I guess. Rachel, have a seat. Uh Mr. Green, I just I really wanted to apologize for how everything turned out. Oh, please. It's okay. As you young people say, I totally understand. Really? Yeah. I mean, you wanted out of a performance, and I told you no in no uncertain terms. Mr. Green, let me finish. You lied to me. You know, I'm disappointed. Now I personally feel betrayed, but I'm not going to fire you. Oh, really? No. I wanted to fire you. I spent all day trying to fire you. I spoke to Rupert, the other investors, and they all agreed that you're an ambitious, irresponsible child. But what could we do? You're our star. We need you. Well, Mr. Green, I, I know I made a mistake, but I had an opportunity come my way, and I just, I thought, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You thought. I've seen this all the time. And let me tell you something, Miss Barry. You aren't some Broadway legend. If you ever pull something like this again, I will not only fire you, I will sue you back to the Stone Age for breach of contract. And you'll never be able to work on Broadway again. Your reputation will not exist. Now get the hell out of my office. Woo! She, I've never seen her look. As terrified as she looked in that scene. Yeah. I don't like know what happened. I eyes. mean, he really feels that betrayed. Like, this guy was fawning over her, like, in love with his star actress, and she's back. Like, she's young. She made a stupid mistake. I get coming down on her and, like, you know, uh, like, you know, tell, like, I don't know. They're they're not punishing her, but he at least is giving her like a talking to. I get that, but I don't know. I'm I'm maybe I'm just surprised that she's even getting that much because of how much he likes her and how much oh, like I'm not. I'm I I am just because of how like I said how much he likes her. Like I don't think it's wrong that she's getting coming uh, you know getting this kind of talking to. Of course she did something that was totally wrong and irresponsible. Like she is fully in the wrong here i just thought that this guy was like obsessed with her based on how they were talking earlier so i was like fully expecting the rachel berry like you know what that was stupid but don't let it happen again we have a show tonight like blah blah blah. i could have easily seen it go in that direction but it's uh, a lot better that it comes out this way i don't know maybe i would rather have it rather it have come from like a rupert rather than a sydney because at this point maybe i'm just having a hard time taking uh sydney seriously oh i i totally believe it because i i I don't think that he likes Rachel as much as you might think that he does. I think that he's just a Broadway producer who's been in this business for a very long time and knows what it takes to make his actors happy. And so he is more than willing to buy her a town car and to shower her with words of affirmation and do all of that to keep her as happy as possible because if she's happy, then the show continues. And if the show continues, then the money continues and his reputation will continue. But the minute you cross him... It's over. Nah. Like, because you can't, he can't have that. Because once, once his reputation gets up that he can't control his show, he's done. So, like, I completely get why the hammer came down here. Like, and I, right. I totally understand. Because, I mean, I've, 
well, quite frankly, I've been in a similar situation. And oh, I feel no. like people in the theater, I feel like people in the theater are, they are really, really nice because they need for, they need for things to work as smoothly as possible. But the minute you step out of line and you jeopardize the entire production, claws come out. So this is probably not the first time that he's had to deal with some shit like this, which is probably why he spent so much time trying to make Rachel feel as pampered and as perfect as possible so that she wouldn't do some shit like this. Um, but at the same time, eight shows a week without one damn break is kind of crazy. So, like, you know, I think he does understand that, like, yeah, she wanted to do something. But at the same time, it is breach of contract, Rachel. Like, there has to be something in your contract. If you want a break, fine. But you're not supposed to be auditioning for other shows while you're in the middle of this run. Like, especially not in the beginning. It's been three weeks. Yeah. Like, you need, to, you need to at least wait, like, a few months before you can even think about going on. Like, I'm sure there's something in her contract about, like, waiting. I'm sure there is. So she right. is, she fucked up. And she was terrified. Mm-hmm. As she should be. She did not need to go this crazy to go, to go all out and do all this stuff. Like, this was not necessary uh, just because you were sick of performing that many shows. Like, if there's uh, – and first of all, she signed a contract, like, as you're saying. Like, there must be a contract that she signed that has something to say about the amount of shows that she could perform in the first place. So I don't know how that all got worked out and, you know, not, how that didn't get fixed rather than the way that she chose to approach this of, like, let me move forward to my next dream uh, instead. I don't know. It's just a whole mess. And like I said, that has a lot to do with the way that I feel about this episode because it's just a little too all over the place hard to believe even this it's like eh, 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 whatever (laughs) well she is gonna walk out of the office and start to cry because she is shooketh (laughs) but her phone rings what it feels like to really (laughs) cry yeah hello hi rachel lee paul blatt yeah i've got some bad news as you're aware that uh was not a great audition. There were some girls who just came in and knocked it out of the park. So the bottom line is that, unfortunately, you did not get the part. I know, Mr. Poblat. Thank you for the opportunity. But I've also got some good news. Rachel, I mean, clearly, Song of Solomon was not the right project for you. But when I said that you were a once-in-a-generation talent, I meant it. Which is why I want to give you a development deal. Are you serious? I, I don't even know what that means. We want to create a TV show around you, Rachel. We don't know what it is, but we'll figure that out. Are you serious? Yes, Rachel, I'm serious. I've got a writer in mind I want to pair you with. You don't even have to leave New York. We're sending her to you. Uh, Mr. Poblet, I I, I, I don't even know what to say. Just say thank you. Congrats, Rachel. Celebrate with your friends. We'll be in touch. Boo. She's a dumbass. She's a fucking dumbass. You just got in trouble for this. Boo. Like it like that is the that is the craziest turnaround ever. What the fuck are y'all doing over there? Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm talking to you writers. That <laughs> makes no sense. That was yeah. supposed to be a such an impactful scene. So impactful. You know what I mean? Like like okay, so Rachel leaves Niata, right? And she even has the audacity. she has the nerve <laughs> to speak to Whoopi Goldberg that way. Before walking out of that office. And then she goes on to have a great Broadway debut with fucking uh, New York Times rave reviews, right? So no, no ramifications from that. None. Then, three weeks into her show, she breaks contract, flies to L.A. after calling in fake-ass sick, bombs the audition. So it's not even like she really has an excuse to even to, to, to rest upon flies back after having fucking uh, uh, Fantana 
<laughs> play Fanny Bryce. Then she has to go into this fucking uh, 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 meeting with Sydney, who puts the fear of God in her, rightfully so. That was supposed to be the wake-up call, right? That was supposed to be the big aha moment where she's like, oh, you are playing fast and loose with these rules out here. This is not high school where you can just bat your eyelashes to Mr. Shu, get whatever the fuck you want. Like, not the, the world is not full of Tinas, okay? They're just not. That was supposed to be the learning moment. And then, not even one millisecond later, she gets a phone call saying, oh, we want to give you a TV show. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Where is the logic? Where is the learning? Where is the moment of realization that you need to calm the fuck down? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. I hate it. Yep. Um, there is no logic. There's nothing that makes sense here. That's, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have any answers for you. I wish I could make it make more sense. I wish I could make it any better. I always, I think going back to like when we first started this podcast, we were talked about, you know, zero slushies is a perfect episode. Five slushies is the worst episode of anything on earth. Um, and I always said that like, you know, I think that the higher ratings are going to be saved for like later in the show. And I think we're around that time. Um, so not to, you know, kind of give away a slushy rating and it's not going to be a five. Don't worry. It's, I'm not, I'm not going that crazy. Uh, but it's just, this is the part of the show where they really, really are kind of getting sloppy here. It's like they go from, you know, making the switch from Ohio to New York. And it's like, okay, I can, I can rock with this. I can see how, you know, this is going well. Okay. 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 And now we're in New York and we're making the switch from Broadway to TV and just over the next two episodes, in addition to this one. And it's just a very strange, like, man, they were trying things and just throwing shit at the wall, seeing what sticks. And uh, this doesn't stick for me. So uh, it really does a lot of damage to the character of Rachel Berry, which, you know, how can that character be damaged anymore at this point? Hard to say, but they're going for it. They are certainly trying. Uh, yeah, it's it's a lot going on here. And yeah, um, that's I don't know. It's a fucking mess. And it is, it's it's character assassination. It really is, because we have never known Rachel to ever want to be on TV ever, 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 especially not this immediately. It's always been, you know, funny girl or bust. And she, you know, wins the lottery by having Funny Girl get revived the year that she goes to New York City. Like, come on. And then you completely shit all over it by her wanting to go for some random ass TV show. It just makes no fucking sense. And how the fuck did Lee Paul Blight even get into her damn dressing room? How did she, how did he even get in there? He just ruins everything. It's her fault. Oh. It's been his fault too. Fuck him. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that is going to wrap up the recap portion of this episode. That was fun. I uh, I enjoyed this episode. I feel, I don't think that I'm going to be as down on it as um as Matt is going to be. But nonetheless, let us just get into our favorite songs of the episode. Wake me up, Rachel. Do up that thing, Mercedes and Santana. Story of my life, Blaine and Kurt. Peace of my heart, Blaine and June. The Rose, Rachel. Hands down, no contest. Do up that thing, Santana and Mercedes. I mean. Tch. All right, your turn, Matt. Yeah, Um, yeah, I will agree with that as well. Uh, That's definitely going to be my favorite song of the episode. Wake Me Up uh, gets a little bit of a mention here because I do just like that song. So, um, and I like the cover of it as well. But I'm uh, I'm not giving Rachel anything in this episode, so I'm gonna stick with you on uh, on the song pick. It's fun. It's good. Lovely song. Beautiful it's, song. It's excellent. It's a good time. Those two deserve the world. 
Yes, they do. All right. Slushy ratings. I'll go first. Um, because I feel like you have more to say than I do. Um, <laughs> I like the episode. I'm a big fan of the New York era, guys. Um, I realize that it starts to get a little messy towards the end because I feel like, I mean, we've talked at nauseum about how season five had a big shakeup because they lost Finn. They had to rework everything. And then they made this really weird, bizarre choice into just going strictly to New York and forgetting about all the other kids that they signed. Like, it's just been, it's been a mess. Um, but I, I still look back on this set of episodes with a lot of love. I agree with all the points that you made earlier about some of the shit that happens in this episode. It's, the whole thing with Blaine is very inconsequential. This thing with Rachel is just bizarre. Um, the only thing that I was interested in was Mercedes and Santana. This is the only part mm-hmm. of the storyline that I felt was honest and real and realistic. And their performance together was was kind of what's saving the episode for me. I so I mean I I liked the excitement of the episode. That's for sure. I I liked. You know, Rachel running to get to the airport, to get back to New York and calling Kurt. Like, I, I liked that. I mean, it was stupid, but I, I just liked the the feeling that it gave me. And Santana going on as Fanny Bryce is just something that I would have loved to have seen. I'll give this episode a two. There's definitely just a, there's just a lot of inconsistent things in this episode. And it's just very, very strange. But I still really enjoy it. And I kind of want to give it a 1.5. But there are just some things that are just kind of, like, unforgivable. So I'll give it a two. But... It's a very kind, too, because I enjoy the episode. Yeah, um, very kind indeed, I'll say. I I don't know. I, I've been torn back and forth between, you know, uh, doing those half slushies is always uh, tough because I'm like, hmm, I could be a little nicer. Um, I'm I'm not at a three. I'm a little higher than a three. I'm either at a four and a half or it's not a four and a half. Sorry, a three and a half or a four. Um I, it's not a five. Like I said, it's not that crazy bad, but like I'm looking up and down through, you know, the episode here. It's just the curtain Blaine stuff. No fun. No good. Even the June Dalloway, like I don't care about it. Even the Mercedes and Santana stuff, which is good. And I agree the highlight of the episode. It's kind of what saves it for me. It still feels like it didn't even get enough time. Like, like we could have gone more into the two of them and their friendship and the way that they lift each other up and are always there for each other. Like they're both in New York now. I want to see more of them uh, and less of Rachel and Rachel, you know, making stupid decisions and embarrassing herself in this audition. I'm having a hard time. Uh, I know it sounds so stupid and uh, I'm having a hard time deciding if I want to give it the four or not. Uh, the other fours that I've given for context are uh, during shooting star in season four and then acapellas back in season one. So I'm like, is it at that level where I truly don't care about the episode or is it like a half slushy back where it's like really not good to me, but not at the level of those two? I think... I think I'll give it three and a half. That's what I had in my head the whole time. It's I don't I don't think I will put it at that level of those two episodes that are just like. Um, and if you got I to see Santana don't... on stage, would it still be a three point five? Um, maybe it would have been a three. I don't know. Hard to say. Um, could have <laughs> could have maybe a three. But um, like I think definitely if there was more Mercedes and Santana, easily would have brought it down a little bit but all that time being spent elsewhere uh so much of everything else that i'm just like uh, didn't really need didn't really care about that's that's what keeps me at such a high rating here so yeah i don't know if there's a whole lot else to say but obviously not the biggest fan of this episode and that uh yeah so sorry uh it's all right all right gold star gold star gold star I'm about to pad Mercedes's pockets with more gold stars. I feel like I've given her... Th- How many have I given her this season? 
I mean, I'm not mad at it. If you give her another one, it would be her third gold star from you in four episodes. And I'm also not mad at it if you do it. But that's your call. I'm not giving it to Blaine because fuck him. Kurt didn't really do too much. Kurt encouraged Rachel to be doing dumb things, giving her validation. Like, get out of here. Yeah, Rachel was a fucking mess. I could give it to Santana, but she really doesn't do a lot either. Yeah, I feel like Mercedes is the is the way to go here. I mean, it was so kind of her to do that for Santana. And it's not even just because it's not even like a charity thing when it comes to Mercedes. She's like, look, like you make me better. Like and I didn't we didn't talk about this line before. But like when she comes into the uh, to the into the diner to offer her the contract, she's like, look, like Rachel's great. But we both knew who the top bitches at that glee club were. I was like, yes, yes. Like, mm-hmm. You know that you guys are just, you guys know that you're amazing. And she recognizes the talent in Santana and she realizes that there is magic there that could be mined. So it was, it was, I mean, I just, you know, on top of it being a really nice gesture, I think it was also a very smart one, you know? Not to say that Kurt, or not to say that Mercedes and Santana have to become a duo, they most certainly don't, but Mercedes can definitely have Santana along for the ride, which is going to expose Santana to other people and have her have opportunities of her own, you know? So. I just think that that was a really nice thing for her to do. And I mean, she was also involved with the best song of the episode. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think Mercedes was uh, once again, the star. Like I think that's probably, I think that's a huge reason why I like the New York airs because Mercedes is such a star throughout all of the episodes. We really get our fill with her. We get a lot of Mercedes con- content in these. Yep, like, seven it's like, episodes. it's, yeah, that's for sure one of the parts of the New York era that makes it so good for me. I think if it had been just these characters, even with Santana there and without Mercedes, I don't think I would like the uh, New York era as much as I currently do. I think it, uh, it it's a really big help to have her there. We were really missing her a lot in season four and early season five. Uh, my gold star is going to uh, back-to-back hit it with uh, some Santana Lopez gold stars in here. Um, she didn't do a whole lot, but nobody did a whole lot in this episode, and I was down to Mercedes and Santana as well. Um, and I I just got to throw some t- Santana some love. In the second episode in a row where she comes in and cleans up the mess made by our beloved main characters of uh, Rachel and uh, mostly Rachel. Uh, You know, Rachel keeps getting herself into these situations that she needs to be dug out from. And like I said, twice in a row now, Santana has come in to save the day. Um, And, you know, Rachel currently still has a job because of Santana coming in and, you know, allowing Sydney to have that performance still went on. And then Rachel can come back in and go, you know, at the show the next day. Um, As you mentioned, the performance uh, with uh, Mercedes and Santana on both of our favorite song of the episode also was a good thing. And I just like the, like, as much as it feels slowed down for Santana right now, and sorry if I'm spending too much time on her, like, this is still my favorite character. So, um, I'm not sorry, actually, uh, which is the name of her book. Sorry, not sorry. Um, Look at me with the plugs. I just so love the fact that she's still here. Like, there's so much that could be happening with these two characters. There, there, there's so much more that could be happening between Santana and Rachel. But given the feuding in real life between the two actresses, we saw that things really got toned down a lot, especially for this specific character for Santana. So the fact that she is still getting content that makes me happy about the direction she's going in. Like she doesn't like she, she bowed out of funny girl. She decided that she didn't want to do that. She went on a vacation with Brittany, cleared her mind, came back to New York. And now she's, you know, like I said, kind of feeling a little bit lost, but she's got Mercedes by her side. She's kind of finding, you know, some love back with the music, this and that. And, you know, like I said, saving the day. So I'm, uh, that's where, that's where my star is back to back on Santana. So in the past, um, 
four episodes. I'm looking at the chart right now. Obviously, you and I doubled up stars on uh, episode 15 with the Curtain Mercedes, but uh, the two of them are pretty much uh, dominating the charts here for this part of the episodes. And uh, some Kurt, whatever. Right. It's, uh, mixed oh. around. All right, well. We'll see. I'll be so interested to see by the end. I mean, we only have a few episodes left. By how many 15 episodes of Glee left? Unless we give like an ultimate gold star at the end that's worth more. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's just our stand cards and uh, you already know where mine is. All right. Well, this is fun. This is great. We are. We got two episodes left of season five. Chug, chug, chugging along. If you would like to follow us, you can follow us at Choir Room Pod on Twitter. You can also follow us individually. I'm at Amon Adwin. Matt is at Matt Ligori. Please leave us star ratings and reviews wherever you get your podcasts. We'll read them aloud on the show. Anything else, Matt? Yeah, you notice how it's been a while since we've had a review to read. We still don't have one. Uh, where are you guys? Come on, help us out. Help, uh, help us out. We want to, uh, you know, we're just looking for some, uh, some, some reviews. Is that so much to ask for? I'm making like a puppy dog face. Yeah, like, don't you, we need? We're like, we're like Tinkerbell, Finn. We like, we need applause to live. Like, come on. Yeah, we know you. We know you're uh, 18 episodes into season five of our coverage. If you're liking it and you haven't given us a review yet. What you waiting for? We love you. Love us back and uh, <laughs> give us some uh, some quick little review in the iTunes store. It really helps people find us. And uh, it has helped so far. If you like searched for a Glee podcast back when we first started, we were like down the list. But I'm pretty sure if you search now, we come up in like the top four results. Um, not that there's like an exact number or like algorithm or anything like that but like i'm pretty sure we come up pretty close to like uh kevin and jenna's podcast so like we have you know been getting up there but we've got to stay there so help us out yeah definitely but all right well there's no more opening night there's no other major events gonna happen so so you want fox tv fox uh whatever show we're gonna work our way on we'll see you we'll see you at the uh at the cold read Peace out.